Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. We're going to be talking about thankfulness. Today I want to talk to you about the power of thanks. If you have not got the notes, they're in the back. You can get the notes for the power of thanks. And as I was uh, writing this sermon, it came to me about how blessed we really are. Sometimes when you're going through the lows of your life, sometimes we forget the blessings that we have. And I always find this to be true, that when I start to count my blessings, you know what it does? It picks up my attitude. It picks up my emotions. It picks up my feelings. My, this is my whole countenance in general. When I start to count my blessings and start to be thankful for what God really is doing in our lives. Why is it that you can have 99 good things happen in your life, but you have one bad thing happen in your life, and all of a sudden our attention is focused on the one bad thing compared to the one 99 good things? It's because we sometimes are prone to look for the negative. But God doesn't want us to look for the negative. He wants us to keep our eyes on him, the author and the perfecter of your faith. The one that says what? I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on me. In other words, perfect peace means in your mind, body, soul, and spirit. He will keep you in perfect peace of focusing on the good things of life, of all the good things that are happening in your life. November is the month that we take inventory, that we take inventory of the good things that God has done in our life. This month is a time that, hey, I can rejoice. I can take inventory of the good things. I always say this, man, I take in the meat and I spit out the bones. The bones are maybe the negative things in your life. What You chew on the meat but get rid of the bones. What are the, the bones in your life? Maybe you had some bad things that happened in your life throughout this year. But Thanksgiving or November is a time to focus on the good things. You see, where your life is, you always will follow your thoughts. Where your thoughts are, there your life will go. So if you're always focusing on this or that, it's always going to follow those thoughts. What you feed, you got to get this, what you feed is always going to grow. So if you're feeding negative thoughts, guess what? It's going to expound, it's going to grow, and eventually it will consume you and all you are is walking around like a bag of negativity. And so you got to be careful about what you're doing. But if you have your notes, it says there in your notes there, when you start to count your blessings of what you are thankful for, it refocuses your thoughts. It refocuses your thoughts. Now, you got to get that. It refocuses the thought, your perspective and mindset on how good you really do have it. How many know what I'm talking about? It changes your mindset. Yes, amen. It changes your mindset. When you start to refocus your thoughts, when you start, it makes you look at it differently and having a different perspective in life. I always say this, a thankful and grateful heart sets you up for blessings in your life. Is this not working, Donnie? Is this not working on the, on the screen there? It sets you up for blessings. And so I want to just encourage you to remember, when you have a thankful and grateful heart, it sets you up for blessings in your life. 
You know what? I, I remember when I was a, a boss, I was a boss. My first started out being a boss at, at the Dairy Queen. When I was 14 years old, I started out as a manager. Kid you not, I was a manager by the time I became 16. I started out at the Dairy Queen 14 years old there in Racine, Wisconsin, right on 12th Avenue, 12th Street. And then by the time I turned 16, I became a manager there at the Dairy Queen there in Racine, Wisconsin. But one of the things that happened to me was this. When I would interview, and I had the opportunity, Mark, at 16 years old, to interview people. And this is a proven fact. You can look it up for yourself. People that get promoted and get blessed and get more promotion in their life are happy and thankful people. They're happy and thankful people. They, and so when I, would, when I was 16 years old, I didn't know or comprehend this thought. But I always remember when I was interviewing these people, these younger kids. Man, someone would come in, oh, I really don't want to work. Man, I'm only here because my mom and dad are telling me to work. And Man, I really don't want to work, so because I'm here today, hey, please don't even hire me, basically, what they're saying. But when I would look at some other of the younger kids, man, I'm so excited to work. I'm happy to take on this job. Man, guess what? Those are the people that I began to hire at the Dairy Queen. And before you knew it, man, after all hiring all those kids that always had a positive attitude, guess what our workplace was like? Always uplifting and positive because there was a positive atmosphere. There was a positive chemistry within the body that we were working with. And what happened was we were seeing more productivity. We were seeing more results. There was a better atmosphere there. And you know what my boss did? Because here I was 16 years old being a manager, hiring these people. Guess what my boss did? I mean, not even knowing what a raise was because I was so green behind the ears. He said, CJ, I'm giving you a raise. And I looked at him and said, you are? For what? He said, because you put together a team at 16 years old that's putting out more product, having a better attitude in this atmosphere of this workplace. He said, because of that, I'm giving you a raise. My point is this. When you have a good attitude and energetic and excited about life, you're setting yourself up for blessings and promotion. Amen? So Philippians chapter 4, and if you have your notes, this is my error. On your page, it says Philippians 3. Right there, cross out the 3 and put 4. It should be Philippians 4. Paul is speaking to the church of Philippi, and I love when he's speaking to the church of Philippi. Every time he's given instructions or lining the church up, the Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept. And here Paul is speaking to the church of Philippi to remind them to rejoice. If you know anything about Philippians 4.4, it says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. But how do you stay in an atmosphere of joy, in the presence of God, in the joy, the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy? How do you stay in that atmosphere? It's learning to cast all your cares upon the Lord and knowing and trusting that God has everything under control and knowing that the battle is not yours, it's God's. And when you come to that place of casting your cares upon the Lord and knowing that the battle is God's, guess what? It gives you joy because God's never lost a battle, nor will he ever lose a battle. And if he's got your battle, guess what? He's setting you up for victory so you can rejoice. Joy Man comes in the morning. Morning comes in the evening. But joy comes what? In the morning. God sets you up for joy if you allow him to be a part of your life and transfer it to him. But he says this, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. Now look what he says, by prayer 
and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And then look what he says. Present your requests to God. Your concerns, your worries, your frets, your anxieties, your, all these things that you're going through in life, present them to God. You have not because you ask not. You know what presenting means? God, I'm asking you to come into my situation. God is not a locksmith. He will not pick himself into your situation. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He only comes into situations by invitation. So you have to ask God. God, come into my situation of life, my situation that I'm going through. God, I need you. And when you ask God to help, that's when he will help. That's like a lot of times people, they just assume that people are going to come and bail you out or help you. But you can't assume until you invite them. And when you invite them to help and participate with you, guess what? A lot of times they're more than willing to come and help you. It's the same way with God. You have to give them that invitation. And he says this. He said, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. In other words, you notice what it said? Which transcends all understanding. He does the reverse, the curse. He reverses the curse of stinking thinking into positive thinking. He transforms you by the renewing of your mind. In other words, all what you've been thinking on and pondering on and worrying about and upset about, guess what he does? He transcends. He changes it from the inside out. He changes your thinking. He changes your thought process. That's why he says the peace of God will transcend all understanding because everything starts here. And then he goes this, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, verse 8 is something else. I love this verse. Verse 8 gives eight, and now get this, eight virtues are in verse 8. Virtues means something to, to grab a hold of, to, to hang on to, like a pit bull on a bone, to hold on to these virtues. You know, when, when we lived in Colorado, one of the seventh wonders of the world was Eisenhower Tunnel, going from Denver to Grand Junction. We'd go through Eisenhower Tunnel, and this tunnel was over a mile and a half long, going through this tunnel in the mountains there in Eisenhower Tunnel right there in, in Denver. And it's one of the seven wonders of the world. And the reason why it's one of the seven wonders of the world is because of the construction and how long it took and, man, the rock that they had to cut through and all the different things to make it a wonderful attraction. Well, virtues are like that. We have seven wonders of the world, but God's given us eight virtues that we should hang on to on our lives that will make us better and function better in our lives if we will apply them to our lives. So here we go. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Notice what he says? Think about such things. But you notice what he said in verse 6? Be anxious about nothing. Man, a lot of times what happens, we get overwhelmed. We get consumed. Even what's happening in our world right now. There's a lot of people are on pins and needles. A lot of people are like dogs with their hair standing straight up, ready to bite and pounce. And he says, be anxious about nothing. But if you have your notes, listen to this. Anxious. Anxiousness makes us look at what we don't have instead of what we do have. 
Isn't that what anxiousness does? It looks like, oh, man, I'm going down. Man, I'm never going to make it. I'm doomed. Man, this is my last meal. This is my last day. This is my last breath. We start looking at what we don't have instead of what we do have. And we get so focused on that that it gets us off focus of what really God has for us. I like this. Anxiousness makes you a director of your own horror movie. It writes the script of bad news. How many know that's true? Man, you blow things so far out of proportion. Man, you blow things so far out of things that men never even transpire. You know, a lot of times they say, the statistics say, the things that you worry about, 95% of this, true statistics, 95% of the things that you worry about never happen. I remember when my kid... Uh, we give our kids a curfew as they got older. We gave them curfew. And so as they got older, we, their curfew got extended and so on and so forth. Well, my son, Rick, man, he was now 17 years old. His curfew was 11 o'clock at night. On the weekends, he had to be home at 11 o'clock. During the week, he had to be home no later than 930. And so 11 o'clock at night, he had to be home on Saturday night, Friday night because of basketball, getting out of basketball and all the stuff he did in football games. So we let him stay out till 11 o'clock. In our bedroom, floor, our bedroom was on the first floor, right by the main door where they, our kids had to come in. And I'll never forget, Cheryl and I were laying in bed. Man, I'm telling you, we're laying in bed, we're looking at a clock. And I'm telling you, it became 10.55, no Rick. 11 o'clock, no Rick. 11.01, I wonder if he's okay. I, I, I hope everything's fine. 11.05, man, we've turned into paranoid Floyds. And, man, we built this thing up. Maybe we should call the hospital. Maybe we should check and see if he's there. After all, there's only two hospitals in Grand Junction. He's got to be at either one of them. Maybe he got in an accident. And all of a sudden, our mind started racing and preparing us for the worst. So at 11.17, we hear the door creak. And in walks my son. Hey, Dad, Mom, I'm home. And we're like, where you been? I'm going to give you the right hand of fellowship. I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> right? I mean, we're ready to knock him out. Mama's going to knock you out. <laughs> but we built up this drama thinking the worst. And as soon as he came through the door, guess what? It was like a sigh of relief. <sighs> Almost like Elka-Seltzer. Oh, what a relief it is, Right? It's because I built up this thing in my mind and it turned into a motion picture that turned out bad. Anxiousness, watch this, you got to get this one. Anxiousness makes you become impatient. I mean, what I'm talking about when you're in a traffic jam or when you're at McDonald's and the line takes three minutes and now you're waiting 10 and you're like, forget this, I'm out of here. <laughs> Ungrateful, unthankful. Now watch this for what you do have and who you have. Now, did you hear that? And who you have. You know what anxiousness does? It makes you a push away from people who matter most. It makes you push away from the people that love you the most. And then after you push them away, guess what you do in return? Then you turn around and you bite the ones that love you the most. And you know what? Because of your anxiousness, we sometimes feel like we're isolated. It's me against the world. Anxiousness will make you withdraw. It, anxiousness will make you pull away. 
Anxious is when you feel like it's 10 against 1 and you're getting beat up and you're getting ganged up and nobody cares. Have you ever heard of that before? Nobody cares. Nobody loves me. Nobody accepts me. Nobody appreciates me. That's what anxiousness does. It forgets who you got on your side. Your parents, your friends, your coworkers, whatever the case may be, anxiousness will make you pull away from that. But here's thankfulness. You notice what he said? He talked about anxiousness. Lay your request or petition before God. And then he says what? Thanksgiving. Anxiousness, thanksgiving. Why does Paul say that? Because thankfulness, watch this. Thanksgiving or thankfulness helps you recount all the good things you have and even the good things of the past. It brings up the past. Hey, listen. Why do you think the Israelites, when they crossed over the, the Red Sea, I mean, excuse me, the, the Jordan, what did they do? They took 12 stones and they built a memorial. And the memorial was a reminder of the victories that God has done in their lives. Right? And so what happens a lot of times, thankfulness makes you recount. God did it last year. He did it six months ago. And he can do it again. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I always say, get this, get this in your heart. Listen, write this down. God just put this in my spirit last night. It's not on your notes. Listen, today, today, right now is a treasure. Today is a treasure. Yesterday is a cash check. It's a cash check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. So today, you got to live in this treasure. you got to live in the now. you got to live in the moment. Don't live in yesterday, a cash check. Don't live in tomorrow, a promissory note, because you'll never know what's going to happen for tomorrow. So you got to live right now. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen? God says, live in it. Look at this. I love this. Thankfulness. Thankfulness is like binoculars. It brings everything back into focus. How many know what I'm talking about? I know we have a lot of hunters here. And I, when I was in Colorado, we'd go elk hunting. We'd go mule deer hunting. And, I, man, I, I never one time, me and Dwayne Erkman. Dwayne Erkman was my worship pastor, Pastor Andrew. He was my worship pastor, Dwayne Erkman and his wife, Debbie. And he was my worship pastor for probably six years. But anyways, he said, Pastor, you got to go hunting with me, man. And so we had a camper, and we went up on the mountains, way up there in the mountains. I don't even know where we were, in the Tules, wherever we were. And uh, I'll never forget, that night, that night, seriously, where we were, we could hear the elk down in the valley. You could hear them bugling. You could hear them that night. It was so cool just sitting in our camper. We were so excited. My heart is beating faster in a big bass drum because, man, I'm going to get one of those bad boys tomorrow, right? And so I was just, I couldn't sleep. And so that night, man, we got up the next morning, finally. And then we get outside, and we opened the, the camper door real quietly, stepped out, and we had our guns. We're all ready to go. And Dwayne takes out his binoculars. And all of a sudden, he puts them up to his face. And he's like, man, I, 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 I can't see. There's something wrong with these binoculars. They're broke. And I said, Dwayne. I said, before you look through the binoculars, you got to take your glasses off. So he's trying to look through the binoculars with his glasses on, and he was, couldn't see. It was like he's looking through bifocals. And a lot of times what happens is you have to take off your glasses to look through the bifocals, I mean the binoculars. And what I mean by that, your glasses are maybe the negative thoughts. you got to start pulling into focus the good things that God is doing in your life. And once he took those glasses off, 
put it up to his face. We seen down in the valley all those elk. Now, I didn't get one. He got a five-by-five. Five. I missed. Mine ran off, and he got his, but thank God he gave me some of it. Thank you, Jesus. He, he knew I was his boss, so he better give me some, right? <laughs> but the point is, is that you got to bring into focus those things in your life. Listen to this. The remedy for anxiety is thankfulness. Thankfulness is the remedy that brings you peace. Thankfulness is the remedy that brings you peace. Thanksgiving and gratitude is a mindful awareness of the benefits of life. Man, I, I, I don't have it so bad after all. I remember when I was going to North Central, I'll never forget this as long as I live. It was probably one of the most humbling times of my life. You know, people always say, Pastor, how do you come to God? You come to God broken, humble, and open. So if you're wondering, how do I come to God? You come broken. God doesn't look for full. He looks for empty. So you come broken, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he'll do what? He'll lift you up and open. Open to hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I'll never forget one day, I was really going through a hard time in my life. Man, we were financially strapped. I'll never forget. My wife was selling Tupperware on the side to try to make money, and she was having a Tupperware party at our apartment. And I was in the, I was in the valley. Let me just say I was in the valley. And while I was in the valley, I wasn't walking in the valley. Have you ever noticed what David said, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death? A lot of times what happens when we get in the valley, we love to waddle in the valley. And I was waddling in the valley instead of even walking in the valley. And sometimes when you waddle in the valley, what happens, the water starts to rise and eventually it's going to drown you out. And I was waddling in the valley and I was feeling so sorry for myself and all this kind of stuff. And I'll never forget, I went down downtown Minneapolis and Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis. If you know anything about Hennepin Avenue, it's not a great place to be. It's not a great place to be. It's not the nightlife that you want to be a part of. But I wanted to go down on Hennepin Avenue to, to see what's going on down there and just to get away. And so I went on Hannapin Avenue, and I went with the intentions of, God, show me something. I want to be open, broken, humbled, and open to hear your voice. So I walked down Hannapin Avenue, and looking across the street, there was a gentleman directly from me across the street. And this gentleman, man, you could see he was very dirty, soiled himself, and just a lot of stuff about him that wasn't very appealing. And the Lord said to me, go over there and talk to him. And I'm like, what? You kidding me? Man, I need some glade spray before I go by him. The Lord said, you go over there and talk to him. So I went over there and I started talking to this guy and telling him about Jesus. I kid you not. I was telling him about Jesus. I was telling him about how he can give him eternal life and a new life and any man being Christ. Before you know it, the gentleman started quoting scripture back to me. And I said to the guy, I said, man, how did you get in this situation? He was an alcoholic and just, man, a drug addict, just the whole thing. And he was slumped over on the building, barely could hold himself up. But yeah, he was clean, I mean, uh, uh, quoting scriptures to me. And remember, I was feeling down, feeling like I had nothing, man. I wasn't providing for my family. And man, all these things that were going through my mind. Thought I had it so bad until. This was the humblingest point of my life, I promise you. I promise you. 
that gentleman started to tell me about his divorce and all the stuff and how he lost everything and man, so on and so forth. He started quoting scriptures to me. Then I thought to myself, man, I don't have it so bad after all. So I said to the gentleman, I said, sir, I said, how do you know the scripture so well? He said, well, he said, I used to be an Assemblies of God pastor. And I fell away from God. And now here's my lot in life. And guess what I was studying to be? An Assemblies of God pastor. And you know what God did? He slapped me upside my head. He said, see, you think you have it so bad. Go and talk to the neighbor next door. It broke me, made me say, God, forgive me. Lord, help me never take for granted those things that have happened in my life. Don't let me take them for granted. But in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says this. Go ahead and turn it there. Finally, brothers, here's the virtues. Think about what is true. When you're going through the, the valleys of life, you need to stop and ask yourself, is it really true? Is this really the script for my life? The Bible says that Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Is this really true? Is this my lot in life? You have to stop and say, wait a minute. This is not what God says about me. God says I'm a royal priesthood, people belonging to God. I am a child of God. I'm a king's kid. God will never leave me nor forsake me. He will not cast me away as orphans. Ah, that is not true of who I am. I am the DNA. Christ's blood flows through me. That when a mosquito bites me, it flies away singing power in the blood. Because I am special. That's not true. That's a virtue to hang on to. Something that's noble. Something you can take pride of. Your character, who you are. Something that's right. Right. I always say, God, make me right in your sight. God, I want to be right. Something that is pure. Pure mind, body, soul, and spirit, something that's lovely, something that's admirable, something that's excellent. Guess what the last word? Listen to what is the last one. Praiseworthy. You know why he puts that there? Because once you go through those first seven virtues, it's going to make you start to praise. It's going to make you start tapping your foot. It's going to lift up your spirit. It's going to make you feel like you're the Hulk again. You're Superman. That you can start scaling mountains again. Why? Because you're getting refocused on what God truly has for you. Listen to this. The income of your thoughts is the outcome of a new life. The income of your thoughts is the outcome of a new life. You see, listen, we think, we think 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day. True. Look it up for yourself. 50 to 70 thoughts per day. 12% of those thoughts are focused on your future. What's going forward? How am I going to go forward? I don't know about you, but if you don't have a 3, 5, 10-year plan in your life, I'm going to tell you, encourage you to do that. Where are you going in 3 years? Where are you going in 5 years? Where are you going in 10 years? What are your plans in life? you got to have a purpose. you got to have direction. you got to have hope. You have to have something to shoot for. And if you don't, look what happens. And 80% of our thoughts are negative thoughts. Look at that. 80% of your thoughts, think about that. When you're walking down the street, man, my wife, boy, I wish he could be like that or, he, or I wish he could be like that. Or my kids, why can't they? 
How many know what I'm talking about? I know I'm stepping on your bunion, so I would say, ouch. I even stepped on some corn. It turned into popcorn. <laughs> Listen to this. The way you turn negative thoughts to positive thoughts, it's to be thankful. Now, in Mark chapter 6, I love the story, and I know i got to blow by this real quick, and then afterwards we're going to bless, I didn't forget, Pastor Andrew, we're going to bless four people today at the end about what they're thankful for. I really felt, Pastor Andrew, when I was sitting there getting ready to preach, to save it for the last. Four families here today, and I picked out one. I didn't know the others. The other staff picked the others. But in Mark chapter 6, it's a story about Jesus. And I want to set you up for the story, the backstory of that. Jesus, in Mark chapter 6, was just getting ready to go across the lake because he just left a group of people he was teaching. He was already ministering to many people. How many of you know that the people that burn out the most, here's the people that burn out the most, the preachers, teachers, doctors, lawyers, and even bartenders. They say that these type of people, because they're service people, burn out the most because they're always giving out and not necessarily sometimes taking in. So you can see what happened to Jesus. Here he was trying to go, as the Bible says, to go to a solitude place to get away, to rest, and re recuperate it, and to be refreshed. But people knowing where Jesus was going, they got ready and got prepared for him to land at this place. You don't think that this 5,000 people just showed up. They showed up because they knew he was going there. So Jesus, when he shows up on the scene, he was already physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. He could have told the disciples, turn back, go back, go back. But he chose not. Well, look at this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. You see it again every time, compassion, knowing their understanding. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Right after he just got done teaching. When Jesus landed, saw, go ahead. By the time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place. In a remote place, there was no Walmarts or Targets or even four winds down the street to buy groceries. They were in an isolated place. You see, whenever you're in an isolated place, that's when God can do his biggest miracles. It's because you have nothing to grab onto or get a hold of. It's just you and God. So when you're in an isolated place, set yourself up for a miracle. Look up and not down. When you look down, you're going to frown. But when you look up, man, it's going to give you encouragement that God is going to meet you. It's only you and God. And that's what happened with Jesus. He was in a remote place. They said... It's already late. It was getting dark. It was already getting late. Man, as a matter of fact, quarter to five now, it gets dark outside. Man, I'll tell you, can you believe that? Man, why can't they do it the other way around? Get light, dark in the morning and light at night. I like that. It would melt the snow better, right? He said, send the people away so they can go surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. This was the disciples. So you can even see that the disciples had a spirit of doubt within them. They forgot that Jesus just performed miracles. Why is it? Can I ask you a question? Why is it that when God does a miracle in your life, you don't take time to celebrate it? What happens with Christians, we're always looking for the next fix. 
Instead of celebrating the miracle that God has done in your life, you just bypass it. You blow through that miracle because you're looking for the next miracle. Jesus wants you to join in that miracle. Enjoy it. Digest it. Chew on it. Celebrate it because that's going to be the momentum to carry you through the valleys of life. He said this, but he answered, give them something to eat. This is Jesus. He was setting them up. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And he goes on and watch this. He says, how many loaves do we have? He asked. Go see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. God can take your lack and make it much. I always say he can take your little and make it plenty. God can take what you give him and multiply it. You see, listen, what you hold on to is all you're going to have. God is not in addition. God is in multiplication. And God can take what you give him and multiply it 130, 64. That's what he's in. He's in the business of multiplication. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the great grass. God is about to do something. Yeah, I feel it in the air. Can you imagine the people? What's he getting ready to do? He's having to sit down. Mark, Jesus says to dine at the table. He said, he's having you sit down. Something's getting ready to happen. He's coming to your table. Watch this. I love this. So they sat down in groups, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples, distributed to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Oh, can you believe that? They ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces and bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. That's not including the men and women. I mean, the children and kids, women, and over 5,000. The point is this. Jesus could have ran from that scene. He could have murmured. He could have complained. What are you doing? Why did you bring me here? Are you crazy? You're setting me up for failure. This is, man, this is a disaster. There's only five loaves and two fishes. What's going on? You see, Jesus didn't do that. When faced with the impossible, you need to remind yourself of him who is possible. But I want you to get Luke, I mean Mark chapter 6, verse 41. Watch this. Mark 6, verse 41. Pastor Andy, go ahead and start coming. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. Look at what he did. Let me ask yourself. When you're in the loaves, when you're in a position like Jesus... He could have ran, feel a failure. You know why people don't succeed in life? Because the biggest thing that holds them back is fear of failure. What are people going to think? What are people going to do? How they are going to label me? They're going to make fun of me because I don't want to be a failure, and therefore I'm not going to stick my neck out. That's why a lot of times we forfeit the blessings because we're unwilling to be afraid to take a step. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. For the little to become much. And look at this. And broke the loaves. Then he gave to the disciples, distributed to the people. He also divided the two fish 
among them all. If you have your notes, look at this. Thankfulness looks at what you do have instead of what you don't have, and it makes it more than enough. God, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, you know that God is never too late or never too early. He's always on time. He's an on-time God. He didn't say he'll supply all your wishes. There's a difference. He didn't say he'll supply all your wishes, but all the desires of your heart. Desires are like cream rises to the top. Wishes are here today and gone tomorrow. Desires grow. They give you energy. They give you combustion. They make you move forward. That's a desire. Thankfulness. If you can't be thankful for what you have now, don't expect more later. Don't expect more later if you can't appreciate what you got now. That's why I always say, listen, you got to hear your bloom where you are planted. If you are always uprooting and not celebrating your wins and victories in your life, you are going to die. You bloom where you're planted. God, I don't understand. God, I don't get this. But, Lord, because you said so, I believe it. That settles it, Lord. I'm going to stand. When I put up everything, you, the Bible says, when you've done all you can, then stand. I want to encourage you. Here's what I do all the time. I promise you. I promise you. If you see my journals, I have journal after journal. Mindy's here. I, Mindy, remember I pull out of sometimes my journal. And a lot of times what I do is I, I pull out of my journal nuggets that God gives to me. I want to encourage you to do something for me. You need to start taking an inventory. Man, split the page down the middle. Put a line right down the middle of the page. Put on one side thankfulness, the other side things that you're not thankful about. I guarantee it when you start writing down thankfulness and things you're thankful for, they're going to outweigh the negative things in your life. Thankfulness, get this, thankfulness restocks the shelves of emptiness and replenishes your joy and peace. I close now in Mark 6, verse 45. Watch this. Mark 6, verse 45. A good man brings good, good things out of stored in his, up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart choice is yours. What are you putting in? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Listen, you cannot have a positive mouth and a negative mouth at the same time and expect blessings in your life. You can't say, man, God is good, and then the other time, cursing. You can't say, man, God bless me, and then, man, God doesn't bless me. Either you're in or you're out. That's why they said you can't have a double-minded man who's unstable in all his ways. Either God is good or he's not. There is no in-between. My God is a good God, and that settles it. And I draw the line in the sand, and I'm not walking over, and I'm not crossing over to that side because my God is good. He didn't say when or how. He didn't say what he's going to do, but he said, I will do it. My God is good. Amen. You have to determine that. You see, listen, our words are x-rays of what is on the inside of you. Woohoo! I mean, you know what I'm talking about. 
Fill your hearts with thankfulness, gratitude, and learn to give thanks no matter what state you are in. Do like Jesus, look up to heaven and give thanks to God and watch and see his greatness. Guys, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Listen, start refocusing today. Don't waddle in the valley. Start walking in the valley. You know what? The farmer grows its best crops in the valley. They're not always on the mountaintops. They're in the valley. You're growing your best crops right now. Your character, your strength, your faith, your hope, it's growing. Don't give up. Let me pray over you as Andrew gets ready to close today. Father, I thank you for these wonderful individuals. You know how much Cheryl and I love them and are thankful for each and every one of these individuals today. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you will bless them in their going in and their going out, that your Holy Spirit will be upon them as we're entering now into November, leading up upon Thanksgiving and honoring the badge and all that we're getting ready to do. God, may it refocus us on how grateful and thankful we really have it in our lives. So bless this day. Go with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lead us out, Andrew. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com give. Thank you for your generous donation.